When should we expect the Carolina Panthers and Brian Burns to come to terms? I'll tell you right now on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as we are in off-season mode here on the show. But we'll be back on July 17th for the Monday through Friday, your team every day, our motto time here on Locked On Panthers. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and be sure to follow me Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council where on Friday I'll be back once again to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to get those questions into me now today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and when you enter promo code locked on NFL in all caps they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order all right we are back here on the show. Spent a lot of time on Monday talking about how the Carolina Panthers still have a glaring hole there opposite of Brian Burns on the defensive line as they failed to sign Leonard Floyd. Now, I don't know if fair, a failed is a fair thing to say because we have not really read anything and seen any reports about the Carolina Panthers' interest in Leonard Floyd. But Leonard Floyd is in Buffalo. He seemed like a very obvious and natural fit in Carolina. But that did not happen. There's still other players out there like Melvin Ingram. Uh, you could also look at Justin Houston, Jadavion Clowney, who could fit into this new 3-4 scheme that Jero Vero is running. And we're all excited to see what the Panthers' defense looks like this upcoming season. We're all excited to see what Brian Burns, who had 12 and a half sacks last year, the first time in his career going over double-digit sacks, a second year in a row as a pro bowler. We're all excited to see what he's going to be able to do, even though it's going to take a little bit of time before we actually see Brian Burns out there on the practice field, which is not that big of an issue. Tomorrow is the last day of OTAs on Thursday. Then next week from Tuesday to Thursday, they'll have mandatory minicamp. And then we won't see the Carolina Panthers until they're back on the practice field during training camp starting out in late July. So not a big deal that Brian Burge is not out there right now. Of course, he's getting the mental reps and being able to learn the defense. He's just not out there physically every day in, well, shorts and a t-shirt with the team. But that's not really much of a concern as he had had ankle surgery back on April 19th. Had some soreness, dealt with it last year. was still a problem. They saw a small fracture. And the fine folks up there at Atrium Health here in Charlotte took care of that. And Brian Burns should be fine once training camp rolls around. And, of course, the season rolls around. But we're still wondering, not necessarily when Brian Burns is going to come back and be healthy, which obviously is important. When's the man going to get paid? The Carolina Panthers have had so many times to trade this man and have refused to do it, and thank God they did, because I have never, if y'all listen to the show, I have never been on board with trading Brian Burns. I didn't want to trade Chris McCaffrey because the guy's a great player, but when they did it, I understood. And because they traded Chris McCaffrey, I told y'all way back then that trading Chris McCaffrey will allow the Carolina Panthers to use those draft picks to move up into the draft to get a quarterback, which they did by getting Bryce Young number one overall in that trade they made with Chicago back in March. So Brian Burns was someone that they could have traded 
last year around the trade deadline when NFL teams were wondering, is there going to be a fire sale in Carolina after Matt Rule was fired and Steve Wilkes took over? The Panthers are sitting there at 1-5, and and the season clearly looked like it was over at that point in time, which they were able to miraculously turn things around and still be playing for something meaningful there in Week 17 before losing Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and the Buccaneers on the road that Sunday afternoon. But Brian Burns is a guy that a lot of teams are like looking at, hey, young player, first-round pick, was a Pro Bowler the year before, is getting even better this season. If you don't want him, we'll take him off your hands. And the team went out there and offered two first-round picks. The Panthers said, no, we're good. We're keeping Burns. And go back to March when they decided to trade DJ Moore instead of trading Derek Brown or Brian Burns. They told Chicago, nope, we're sticking with Burns. Scott Federer has said multiple times that Burns is going to be here. Like that plainly. Burns is going to be here. They're going to keep Brian Burns around. I'm just wondering when's that deal going to get done. And it's not like I'm sitting here on June 7th concerned about Brian Burns not having signed a long-term deal yet. I understand the Carolina Panthers, when they went into free agency, they had other needs. They needed to sure up the defensive line knowing that you have a new 3-4 scheme. They need to go out there and get another safety so Jeremy Chin can play in a more natural position. They need to go to get a pass-catching tight end. Uh, a running back, something also felt like they needed to do. Um, they needed a lot of receivers. So there was other needs, and you got to figure out the salary cap. Bradley Bozeman coming back as well. There's other things the Carolina Panthers had to focus on Throughout this offseason, like getting a new coaching staff, all the things I just brought up, Bryce Young, the draft, there were a lot more pressing needs than re-signing Brian Burns, who, of course, is going to be playing under the fifth-year option this year at $16 million. Now, if it was 2024 and Burns was franchise-tagged and we had about a month or so to re-sign him to a long-term deal before he would have to hit free agency the next year, then I would be a little bit more pressed than I am right now, where I'm really not pressed at all. I'm just curious of when this is going to happen. I know when it's going to happen. I will be out pretty much the first half of the month of July on vacation. You'll still get shows. Don't worry. I know that's when it's going to happen, when I'm enjoying my time in Savannah and St. Simon's Island. That's when that's going to happen. Brian Burns is going to sign a deal, just like last year with Baker Mayfield. Let's not make this about me. Just letting you all know. It's, you're probably saying, well, Julian, what, what's the point of even doing this segment when you know exactly what's going to happen? It's going to be at the, the most inconvenient time for you. That's when it's going to happen. By the way, one thing I think I've thought about with Brian Burns and when this deal might come about is, is he waiting for Nick Bosa, who is like in the same position as Brian Burns playing in a fifth-year option instead. Nick Bosa is playing uh, for $17.85 million in San Francisco this year. He's been a pro bowler. He's been an all-pro. He's been an excellent player, and he's someone who is still waiting on a long-term deal. Now, he was asked about this on Tuesday by the 49ers media during um, – OTAs, whether he was confident that he would get an extension before training camp, and he said his confidence is pretty high, that he's uh, pretty confident about that happening. I'm wondering if Brian Burns is waiting for Nick Bosa to set the market before he decides to take a deal. Let's just be honest. Nick Bosa has been a better player than Brian Burns. Nick Bosa right now is a better player than Brian Burns. Will Nick Bosa always be a better player than Brian Burns? I'm not going to sit here and say that. I think Brian Burns, his best football is just ahead of him, and he's still a young football player like Nick Bosa. But he has not been on that level just yet, although last year we started to see just how good Brian Burns is eventually going to be, as I expect that sack total to continue to creep up. It would also be helpful if they got another outside linebacker to take some pressure off of Brian Burns to not be the only pass-rushing threat on this team right now. That's another conversation for another day, which we've had plenty of times here on the show, and we'll continue to have that 
until the Carolina Panthers do something there at outside linebacker opposite of Brian Burns. But looking at spot track, the spot for contracts, as I was told by a listener, Brian Burns' market value is four years, $73 million, 18.3 average salary. We have seen there have been players like Bradley Bozeman who had a higher market value, and that's not what they hit. So just because that's his market value on a website does not mean in reality that is his market value. Talk to all the receivers out there, the linebackers and free agency, the running backs. Did they get their market value? Now, Deontay Foreman did because Deontay Foreman's the guy who probably is not going to get more than $3 million. I wouldn't say anyone who ever project him to get more than that. The market value is just an idea of what it potentially could look like, not a guarantee. Nick Bosa's is four years, $114.6 million, average salary of $28.6 million. So he's going to get paid more than Burns, and rightfully so based off of what he's done so far in his career. That's not to say that in a couple of years' time, Brian Burns, who continues to sin, can't get paid around the same amount of money that Nick Bosa is going to get paid. If I'm Burns, I would wait for Bosa to get paid just so I know what it looks like. And for Bosa, I mean, he could wait for Burns to get paid, but he's probably also thinking, like, I mean, I'm going to be in a completely different tax bracket than this guy anyways, so this is not really one of those things where I'm really concerned about other people. But if I'm Burns, I would like to see what the Bosa numbers look like and then tell the Panthers, hey, you see what I've done the last two seasons, You especially you saw what I did last year. You spent all this time where you could have traded me and you didn't trade me. Let's get as close to that number as possible. That is reasonable for both sides. That's what I'd be doing if I'm Brian Burns. So for me... He should be waiting until that deal gets done. Now, from the Panthers, I'm trying to get this done as soon as possible because I don't want Burns to get an idea of what a guy like Bosa is going to make. And just looking back in the past at some kind of you know similar edge rushers, we saw Miles Garrett. He signed his deal heading into his fourth year on July 15th. TJ Watt, he signed it week one on a Thursday, September 9th. So it's not really... A, there's not really just a, a formula of when it's going to happen. Max Crosby signed in March. We saw Harold Landry, who was going to be a free agent. He signed in March right before free agency. So some guys sign early. Some guys sign in the summer. Some guys sign really late. Some guys don't sign at all until the year after, which I don't think is going to happen here in Carolina. Just giving you kind of some insight on when it could possibly happen. I would think sometime this summer, whether it's probably going to be after Mandatory minicamp next week. I would see it at the end of June or sometime in middle of July, maybe even late July heading into training camp. That's what I expect the deal to get done. A deal is going to get done. The Panthers don't have much leverage. Maybe they want to see what the medicals look like with Brian Burns and his ankle, but they're the ones who sent him to Atrium to get that surgery, knowing that was something they needed to clean up. I'm not overly concerned about Brian Burns' new deal. I'm just wondering when it's going to get done because that also opens up some cap space potentially if they want to maneuver some things around and maybe gives an opportunity to go out there and add more to this roster like an outside linebacker opposite of Brian Burns. Now, Brian Burns is not the only one who's awaiting to sign a deal here in Carolina. Bryce Young remains unsigned. So does Jonathan Mingo, the second-round wide receiver out of Ole Miss. What will their contracts look like and when should we expect them to also sign on here in Carolina? I'll tell you about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before I do that, y'all, it's really this simple. Bird dogs make you look great. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. 
Bird Dog shorts are the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And I'm, I'm telling you this because I have plenty of Lulu and Bird Dogs blows them out of the water. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses a anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Matter of fact, I'm wearing my Bird Dogs right now, and I wear these things all the time. I wear them to the gym. I also have the joggers, so whenever I'm traveling, whether I'm driving on a long road trip or going on flights, I'm instantly putting on those bird dogs and best thing is they already have that mesh liner in there it's not even mesh it's just like the most beautiful liner it's so comfortable you got to get bird dogs like seriously go get them right now go to birddogs.com says locked on nfl enter promo code locked on nfl for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com says locked on nfl for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off i promise you that It's only a matter of time until Brian Burns signs here in Carolina. It, it is a certainty. I guess you can't say necessarily is an absolute certainty, but I feel pretty certain that's going to happen. And the fact that Scott Fitter said it's going to happen, the Panthers having opportunities to trade Brian Burns, refusing to do that, any kind of player he is, they're going to sign him. It's just a matter of when and not if here in Carolina. It's the same case with Bryce Young and Jonathan Bingo. The Panthers did not move up from 9-1. to one. Give up next year's first round pick, a second round pick in 25, and DJ Moore to not, oh, and also the second round pick as well this year. They did not do all of that to not, of course, sign the rookie quarterback, Bryce Young. There is no concern there when Bryce Young's going to, if he's going to sign, he's absolutely going to sign Jonathan Mingo as well. The only two of the five on the Carolina Panthers draft class that have not signed their rookie deals just yet, Chandler Zavala. Fourth round pick at NC State, he signed it. DJ Johnson, third round pick out of Oregon, he signed his. And so is Jamie Robinson, the fifth round pick out of Florida State. So we're just waiting on Bryce and Jonathan Mingo. Now, quarterbacks, it can be a little bit more complicated just because of the money and some of the uh, language and the contracts that you want to get figured out. So I was kind of looking back, similar to Burns, to see uh, some guys who uh, were relatable as far as uh, talent-wise and draft position, all that, what they signed, when they signed. Looking the same case with Bryce Young here. Now, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, excuse me, who signed back in 2020. He did not sign until July 28th after being the number one overall pick in that draft. And you think about it, July 28th, that's pretty late. That's right around training camp when Joe Burrow signed his contract there in Cincinnati. Trevor Lawrence, the last quarterback to be taken number one overall back during, what, the 2021 season? Yes, or that draft. He did not sign until July 5th. So celebrate the 4th, and then the next day, signed a mega deal there in Jacksonville, and he's had success so far with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So those are the last two top overall picks that were quarterbacks that signed Joe Burrow on the 28th of July, Trevor Lawrence on the 5th of July. Now, if we want to just bring it here locally, Matt Corral, it took him a long time for a third-round pick who was not coming in to start to sign with Carolina. It's also someone whose future, even when he was drafted, there was some hope from fans that he could be the franchise. I wasn't sitting there believing that, okay, that's what they're really trying to do. Let's see how this works out. There's a reason why they brought in Baker Mayfield, yada, yada, yada. It wasn't pretty much set in stone when he got drafted that he was going to be the guy. Like with Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, obviously is the case. Same thing with Bryce Young, with Matt Corral. I was surprised by how long it took. And I do think it made sense in a way because Carolina Panthers looked at 
their situation where, okay, they don't have a long-term option at quarterback. They're hoping that Baker could be that. Maybe the Sam Darnold could be that as they were going to have a competition going to last year. P.J. Walker was also part of the whole deal. But, you know, we kind of figured what that was all about with P.J. where the writing was on the wall until guys started dropping like flies and P.J. ended up having to start a couple games this past season. And, hey, good for him. He's up in Chicago as the backup now. Um, But we kind of knew the situation there with quarterbacks, but they didn't have a long-term option. So I can see why it took a little bit of time. You get things figured out, Matt Corral, because they probably want to be like, hey, well, we want you. The draft slot commands this, but also, hey, there's a possibility you could be the guy. I'm sure his agent kind of felt the same way. He didn't sign until July 25th. The very next day on the 26th, Carolina Panthers, the rookies, reported to training camp. So it took a long time for Burrow to sign, like, right around training camp. Lawrence, plenty of weeks before training camp. And then Corral, right there the day before training camp. That's when he signed. So it's not really an exact science. I looked at Kenny Pickett. He signed in late June of last year as the only first-round quarterback of that draft class. So I would expect it to happen by training camp. Like That's the, the really the simplest answer I can give you. It's going to happen by training camp. Will it be later this month, early next month, or right there knocking on the door of training camp? I don't know, but it's going to happen at some point over the next month and a half. So what is Bryce Young going to make? Now you look at Spot Track, the place for contracts. Um, he's projected to make a total value of $37.95 million. Signing bonus will be $24.6 million. Cap it this year, which is always important, will be $6.9 million for Bryce Young. So that's what we're looking at as far as what's going to go on with him. And Important to note that he's represented by CAA. Now, Spotrack has three different agents that are up there for him. You got Ed Berry, Jimmy Sexton, a guy that if you followed college football, if you follow college football, you would know his name because he's Nick Saban's agent. He's Jimbo Fisher's agent. He's pretty much the agent of every big coach, Lane Kiffin. If he coaches in the SEC, he's a big-time coach. He's represented by Jimmy Sexton at CAA. Patrick Collins is also listed up there as someone. Now, of course, Alabama, Nick Saban. Bryce Young playing at Alabama for Nick Saban, Jimmy Sexton. Like, there's a connection there with CAA Sports. And I bring that up because the other player who's unsigned here in Carolina from the rookie class, he's also represented by CAA Sports, although his exact agent representation is not listed on this website. Jonathan Mingo, he is also somewhere waiting to see when he gets signed. And again, I see it being sometime by training camp. Don't think there's really a rush there. He's out there. It's not like these guys are being told to hold out. Now, if you get to training camp, then yes, obviously that's one of those negotiating tactics that their agents will um, deploy, but I don't really look at that as being something that's going to really happen and that should be of any really concern for anyone because we know that Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback. The Panthers are not going to sit here and dilly-dally and have Bryce miss meaningful snaps there in training camp because they can't figure out whatever with the contract. It's going to get figured out. Same thing with Jonathan Mingo, although I think his role will be, of course, significantly less than the one that we're all expecting Bryce Young to play here in 2023. Now, as far as Jonathan Mingo, his contract projection, according to Spot Track, should be about $8.85 million. Signing bonus of $3.4 million. His cap hit will be just over a million dollars at $1.6 million. So waiting on Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo, both represented by CAA. So I think that is important to note as we're trying to see when those guys will sign. But as we saw with Joe Burrow, it was late July. Trevor Lawrence was early July. Matt Corral late July. And that 
might be a little bit more um, meaningful considering he is here in Carolina with this organization. So we'll see how it plays out, but that's the numbers that Bryce Young should get and what Jonathan Mingo should get. And in due time, those both of those guys will be signed here in Carolina with a lot of money. Now, one more than the other, but hey, $8 million is, of course, nothing, as we know, as just us peons, something to uh, scoff at because that's a ton of moolah. Tommy Trimble, what does it look like for him here in Carolina? He's someone I talked about could have a fresh start with the new coaching staff. Well, he spoke to the Charlotte Observer, and he offered up some interesting quotes about your favorite coach of all time, Matt Rule, and how they treat the tight end position, which once you hear it, and if you've read it, really shouldn't surprise you at all. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. A few weeks ago, I talked about a few Carolina Panthers who would benefit from a fresh start with this new coaching staff, and Tommy Trimble was one of them, because if you look at Frank Reich and the past he's had with tight ends, he actually believes in a tight end position. For whatever reason, Matt Rule and his coaching staff did not believe in the tight end position, whether it was Joe Brady calling the plays, whether it was Jeff Nixon calling the plays, Ben McAdoo calling the plays. The tight end here in Carolina was just not something that mattered, and that really needs to change they had Dan Arnold for about three weeks and decided oh man damn Dan well JC broke his foot really freak accident let's go get a player in CJ Henderson who's going to underperform throughout his career here in Carolina and not have you even though you had a really good relationship with Sam Darnold and yes Two, we lost Christian McCaffrey, who Sam was always leaning on because he get, he could only ch- look at one guy then check down to CMC. So we're going to take you away from being a safety valve, and we're going to get an underperforming corner, which has happened. And that didn't really turn out to be the great idea. Now, it's not like Dan Arnold's been lighting it up in the NFL, but I thought it was odd to go into the 2020 season, not really have anyone like Ian Thomas. We're thinking, hey, it's your time. Greg's gone. You're the guy, new coach. Eh, didn't happen. 21, all right. Got a pass-catching tight end. That was a need. Three weeks into the season, see ya, we don't need you anymore. Let's bring in C.J. Henderson. And then last year, we saw the usual suspects just did not get it done. But also, were they coached? Were they utilized? The answer, according to Tommy Trimble, was no. He said, this is the first time that we've really been coached up receiving-wise, other than us trying to figure it out on our own. Oh, my God. That's what he told Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer on Tuesday. This is really the first opportunity we've had to excel in the receiving game and have points and receive teaching points on how to attack this kind of leverage, attack this kind of defense. Before it was more, you run it, you run what's on paper, and you make it work. And if it didn't work, you try to figure it out yourself. So a lot of freelance is what it sounded like back when Ben, not nah, just Ben McAdoo, but when Brady was here and with Jim, Jeff Nixon was here and, of course, Matt Rule was here. And that's just one of the things where you look at it where it's just like that's the inexperience of a guy who hasn't called plays ever in his life at any point in time and Joe Brady being your OC and a guy who had no NFL experience aside from like one year as an assistant offensive line coach, right? Under Tom Coughlin, New York, same with Jeff Nixon, who has more NFL experience, but never really been a play caller at this level. And then, you know, Ben Mack, who had done it, but it clearly that was not something that they wanted to lean on. And you look at the personnel, it wasn't really what you need at this level to have extreme success there. Not even six, just that be even average at tight end. He also said, Tommy Trimble said, so having that kind of backing, that kind of support from all over the coaching staff to the players themselves, I think it's been a world of difference in what our, what our accelerating of the receiving game has been, which is good to hear. Because you looked at Tommy Trimble when he got drafted in 21, and you felt like 
the guy's an athlete. He's going to be a good run blocker. Like, that's what he mainly did at Notre Dame. But maybe he can develop into some kind of threat in the passing game. And you looked at his career at, at Notre Dame, and this is something I caution people. If they didn't do it in college, it's really hard for them to transition and do it in the NFL. Like, Kittle did it in college. You saw him do it. You saw Gronk do it at Arizona. I know Gronk, I mean, that's a big example. Hayden Hurst. He did it at South Carolina. He was a pass-catching tight end. He was a big part of that passing game with the Gamecocks, and he's been the same way in the NFL. Tyler Eifert, when he was at Notre Dame, when he was healthy, the same case. Kyle Rudolph, when he was at Notre Dame. I just don't know any Notre Dame tight ends that were blocking tight ends primarily that have gone to the NFL and have exploded. Like That's just not really how things have materialized. Like when Aaron Hernandez was playing in the NFL, he was a big passing threat when he played at Florida. Same thing happened in New England in the NFL. So it's a really difficult position to go from a guy who wasn't really asked to do that at a lower level to being asked to do it at the professional level. And when you look at Tommy Trimble's numbers in Carolina, he's had 39 receptions for 354 yards and four touchdowns during his first two years. In his two playing seasons with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, he had 35 catches for 401 yards and four touchdowns. So very similar numbers in more games played. But two seasons. So that's not to say that Tommy Trimble, if the offense actually wanted to utilize him, could not produce more. That's just pointing out that while the coaching was not really where it needed to be, the stats are pretty similar to what they were in the past. Now, I do believe that Hayden Hurst is going to come in here and be that dude at tight end that they're going to really focus on. But they've talked about it where they can have – Multiple guys, that two or three tight end, that can be a threat in the passing game. Ian Thomas, maybe this is finally time for Ian Thomas to break out. Maybe it's Tommy Trimble making that jump from year two to three. And when you look at the tight end coach here in John Lilly, and I would know this very well, seeing as I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, I went and I watched every one of their football games, that tight end unit in Chapel Hill was phenomenal that they had with Bryson Nesbitt, who looks like an NFL player. His dad was an NFL player, Jabir, um, uh, Jamar, whatever. Um, Jamal, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Bryce Nesbitt's an NFL player. Kamari Morales has looked really good. Got uh, Even got John Copenhaver. Like, that is a deep tight end unit that John Lilly coached at Carolina. Now he's coming here with the Panthers, and I think he's going to be able to help them even more. So I'm excited to see what this overall unit looks like, not just Hayden Hurst, but what guys like Tremble can do. Maybe Ian Thomas, even though I've kind of lost faith there, but we'll see because clearly he hadn't been coached for three straight years. It's not a good thing, especially when you saw what his numbers were before rule and with rule. Maybe he gets back to that, although he's just not going to be the focal point. So that's one of the things where you look at like Hayden Hurst coming in to be the guy for them in the receiving game at tight end. How much opportunity, how many opportunities are these guys really going to get? And But this, one of the things is down the line, can Trimble develop into that guy? It takes time, and that's what the hope has always been since he was drafted here in 21. Now, he talked about it, where he could fit into this offense. He said, he can, I can play all over the place. I can be lined up in the backfield. I can be lined up on the line. I can be lined up, split out. I can just do everything that Frank would want me to do, and I think just having that flexibility opens up the playbook and really lets us let loose. Like Clearly, Tommy Trimble is someone who can finally breathe again because he's getting coached, and players – Want to be coached. Fine, there's some guys who are uncoachable, but the vast majority of guys want to be coached. And I can only imagine how frustrating it is to not be coached, to not get the opportunities, and 
that's going to hurt you down the line when it's like, I want to be a guy who can have an impact in the offense, but if they haven't seen the stats. They haven't really seen you do it. You're just not going to get that opportunity. You're also not going to get the money. So really what happened the last couple of years is Matt Rule and that staff were messing with this man's money. But we'll see what he turns out to be. Because while all that may be true, and I imagine it is, and we saw it on the field very clearly is true, that does not mean that now with the coaching and in this scheme, the time and trim was going to all of a sudden explode. With Hurst in front of him, that obviously is going to be a factor. But also, is he that guy? I'm not quite sure. But now we truly get to find out, and he actually gets a chance to be a pass-catching tight end in an NFL offense. The last couple of seasons was not an NFL offense. Now it is. So I'm excited about that and cannot wait to see what he looks like and what this offense looks like here in 2023. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Friday, I'm back to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me. Get those weekly Friday mailbag questions into me now. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll talk to y'all on Friday.